0: Season 3, Chapter 8. Her. I don't envy your constant dread. M. Scott Pegg. Her. Dispatch had been trying to reach the sheriff. Been trying to reach you, sheriff. Sheriff Randall had just re-entered his cruiser and was listening to the burst of traffic over the radio. Well, I'm right here. We're heading up a bit further, going to be out of range again. Go again on the body. A body, sir, found along the Barker Road. Deputy Campbell was closest, so he's headed there now. Donnie's voice sounded agitated. He hated when the sheriff didn't answer his radio. I'm on my way, Nathan responded. Deputy Grassley's SUV spun around and pulled up to Nathan. Jeezum, it's feast or famine around here. Want me to continue up to the homestead for you? "'Nope. I'll come back later.' The sheriff's tone was steady, but his head was racing. A body in the road. He was thinking about Linda Doyle. Deputy Grassley nodded. "'Okay. I'll stop at the station to grab my recovery kit. Meet you over there, then?' Nathan nodded in agreement, and then he, too, spun around and hit the gas. Driving at 60 miles per hour was dangerous here, Loose gravel made it hard to stop, and coming upon a moose in the road was like finding a surprise brick wall. When at last he dropped back down onto Main Street, he activated the blue lights and headed east toward the tiny village of Trident and the Barker Road. There was only one way into and out of Trident, and it undulated around multiple ponds and streams until ending abruptly at the village store and post office. The demand for waterfront real estate was changing the village and the resulting transition was hard to watch. Ancient family cabins littered with weeds and old cars stood shoulder to shoulder with impossibly expensive new construction. Unable to meet the ever-increasing tax burden, it wouldn't be long before the locals would be pushed out entirely. Sheriff Randall arrived at the store and then turned left at what everyone knew was the Barker Road. There was no street sign. He had been here countless times over the years for calls related to one person, Royce Cloutier. Royce held eight acres of family land along the pristine shores of Mango Pond, and he had managed to cover almost all of it with old vehicles, junk, and outbuildings made from scrap wood, shredded tarps, and corrugated metal. The main house was falling in on itself, supported only by the clutter that filled the inside. He had only just made the turn when he saw Deputy Carl Campbell at the top of the road. The scene had been secured, and Carl was closing the hatch on his SUV. He had heard Nathan coming. "'It's Royce. Looks like the hooch finally got him,' Carl said calmly, while Nathan walked over to the scene. "'Gonna be awfully quiet around here now. Old Royce,' "'was job security. "'The gentle joking used to please the sheriff, "'but that was before. "'Sheriff Randall looked down at the dead man's flannel shirt "'and old moccasins. "'His legs were bare. "'Nathan tilted his head "'and saw that Royce was at least wearing underwear, "'yellowed and threadbare. "'He studied the man's twisted face and open mouth. "'He was missing most of his teeth, "'and he had leaves in his hair.' Who's coming out? Thurston's? Sheriff asked, while squatting down to look more closely. Yeah, it was between Thurston's or Daley's, so I flipped a coin, Carl answered. Looking for something specific, Sheriff? How do you tell your deputy that you're checking a corpse for bite marks? You don't. Yeah, just drop dead, the Sheriff affirmed as he stood back up. It was a very expected ending for this raging alcoholic and a big relief for the sheriff. The closest funeral home would take the body away. Carl continued. Neighbor found him, decided to call it in while on his way to work so he wouldn't miss his shift. He was probably sipping a coffee the whole time. You gotta love Maine. Yeah, Nathan agreed. When Bob gets here, have him walk the area to confirm the obvious and then write it up. I'll head down to the house and make sure everything is secure. Nathan knew what Royce's death meant for Alvina Cloutier. Royce had put her through so much over the years until last spring, when she fled with nothing but the clothes on her back, still too afraid to file for divorce. And now, the land was hers. The autumn morning was crisp and cool, a bluebird day complete with the bright red and orange of early fall. Nathan drove slowly down the rest of the two-mile road with his window open. He was checking for anything Royce may have dropped along the way. He found nothing. No matter how many times he'd been out here, it was always a shock to leave the beauty of the Barker Road and enter the Cloutier property. An abandoned Mack truck was the latest addition to the mayhem, and Nathan had to maneuver his SUV around it. He noticed scorch marks along the entire side as he squeezed by. Royce had been lighting fires again. As soon as Nathan rolled past the garage, two huge German shepherds bolted out from their spot under a broken-down ambulance. They didn't know about the body and were still on duty. "'Okay, pups, be nice now,' the sheriff said as he left his vehicle." They sniffed his familiar hands and bumped up against his legs, tossing him around gently. Have you ladies had breakfast yet? He already knew the answer and was pulling out his cell phone to call Carl. We need a plan for these dogs. They can't stay out here alone. Already on it. Wife is checking to see if the stepson will come get them She's going to call me right back. Thanks, Nathan said, and hung up. He looked around at the chaos of the yard. There had been some horrible calls out here over the years. You're free, Alvina. You're finally free, he murmured, and turned to face the front of the house. Sections of the structure were wrapped in clear plastic sheeting, and each of the first-floor windows had been covered with odd-shaped carpet remnants that overlapped each other like manic mosaics, all stapled to the house from the outside. Meaners were famous for finding creative ways to keep out the cold, but this was a first. The sheriff grabbed his flashlight and considered the inky entrance in front of him. There was no front door. So much for insulation, he mused. Behind him, the dogs whimpered nervously. I'll be right back, he told them. He kicked debris from the front steps and crossed the threshold. The interior was as still as a coffin cut off from the air and the light outside. It smelled of mildew, human waste, and something else that was setting off alarms in the sheriff's head. Probably just a gas leak, he thought, finding it strange that he should hope for something so dangerous. He walked over to one of the front-facing windows and forced open the bottom sash. Next, he pushed away the attached carpeting. He did this to another window in the main room, hoping for some ventilation, but the odor did not dissipate. Then, Nathan had a prickly feeling, a chill. "'Is there someone in here?' he asked softly. The living area was packed almost to the ceiling with trash, collapsed boxes mingled with green garbage bags and mounds of clothing, Raw lumber and furniture pieces had been strewn about, and then Nathan noticed a toilet leaning against a crushed bookshelf. It was filled to the rim with excrement. Carefully, he balanced along a narrow clearing toward the kitchen and the one window over the sink. The decaying food and blanket of sludge that covered the countertops kept him from getting too close, and so he used his flashlight to push away the curtain of carpeting until he could convince a bit of daylight to come inside. It had no intention of staying. The space was ghastly, the worst case of hoarding he had ever encountered. Sheriff Randall knew there was a bedroom in the back, and he wanted to check it. He remembered standing outside one of its windows one winter as Royce tumbled out of it. The sheriff had been there to grab the man firmly by the arm while asking playfully, Going somewhere, Royce? The staircase to the left was impassable, completely overrun with mounds of rubbish. Nathan could see the bedroom and aimed his flashlight, preparing himself for more of the same filth. The door was open only halfway, and so he tapped it back gently with his hand, still unsure about being alone. Deep in the pitch blackness, his flashlight pointed to several twin-size mattresses, They had been placed in a neat row on the floor along the back wall, like some sort of upscale crack house. The wood flooring was clean, an oasis compared to the rest of the house. What the... he whispered. There were two windows in this room, each covered from the outside, same as the others. Nathan's eyes watered as he fought back a wave of nausea. Clearly, there was no gas leak. He'd found the source of the stench. He tried to ignore the smell, but it was relentless, oozing over him in crushing waves until he gagged and grabbed his face, falling back against the doorframe. He had smelled this before. Ed's warnings from that night in the diner were with him now. There are more Abrams out there, these freaks, these takers. They're all around us, legions of them. Nathan was squinting, trying to protect his eyes until he could get his bearings and hear the important message his body had been working to convey. Get out of here. Now! Quickly, he navigated back through the first-floor labyrinth until he was outside again. There, he dry-heaved over a pile of broken glass and wiped the saliva from his face. The poison of the inside was in his nose, in the pores of his skin— "'and on his clothing. "'They're hiding in here. "'Dear God, how many? "'How many?' "'Had he counted three mattresses? "'He wasn't sure. "'What about the upstairs? "'He hadn't checked the upstairs.' "'The dogs had come back, "'eager to tell the sheriff "'that they too had seen the shadows "'and that this was all going to end "'very badly for everyone. "'But the sheriff was busy "'shuffling toward his Ford Explorer "'where it was clean, and it felt good to sit. He kept the door open with both feet planted on the ground. Settle down, settle down, he told himself, and when he did, he radioed Carl. This is Deputy Campbell. Go ahead. It's me. This place is unsafe. I'll tape off at the top of the driveway and take the dogs. Nobody is to enter this property unattended. Ten four. Deputy Campbell confirmed, like he'd done a thousand times before. Knowing his words were on the radio, the sheriff said it again. "'Nobody comes here alone. Am I making myself clear? Loud and clear, nobody. Everything okay, boss?' "'I'm bringing you the dogs. Heading up now, over.' Sheriff Randall stood up and called for them. "'Come on, girls. Come on now.' "'Yes.' They seemed to say, hopping in to take over the back seat, take us with you, take us away, away from the death. He slammed the cruiser into reverse and backed down the driveway, barely avoiding an expensive scrape against the Mack truck. Being away from the house brought no relief to the sheriff. He was already making plans for his return. She was there watching from a corner along the ceiling. Her sleep had been disturbed, and there was a dull ache in her bones, a calling that tempted her to show the sheriff what happens when you wander where you are not welcomed. But her limbs were heavy. The pain was never far away, and she was very tired, so eager to close her eyes and dream. Better to wait. No, "'You cannot stay here. He will come back for you. "'You must leave,' the darkness warned. "'But the hour was early, and the danger was not imminent. "'Oh, let him return,' she hissed back. "'I will be ready for him next time.' "'She called for another to join her, but they were all ill, "'fighting in fits and starts, and pleading to no one for relief.' Their cries were in the wallpaper, under the tables, and along the rafters. The house was a scream factory, dividing itself exponentially to accommodate the growing darkness. She arranged her long brown hair to fall evenly on both sides of her face, and then dropped back onto her mattress. Her eyes closed immediately. The dreams were coming. She loved the dreams, seeing her please the darkness, and it stayed to watch her sleep. Deputies Grassley and Campbell turned in unison to see the sheriff speeding up the narrow road toward them. They could see the dogs in the back seat, big as linebackers. At the same time, a black Dodge minivan marked Thurston's Funeral Home was coming in from the top of the road. Nathan had no choice but to idle and wait until he could get by. It took several minutes before the driver put down his clipboard and exited the van. He was short and stout, and, like the corpse, he too was wearing a flannel shirt. The driver unfolded a black body bag while talking to Bob and Carl. Nathan could hear a comment about not needing any embalming fluid for Royce, and then a wave of laughter erupted from the men. Gallows humor, the morbid banter of the brave, it's what pushed all the horrid images down into the far recesses of the mind like black powder in a musket. It allowed for mealtime and Saturday soccer practice and sleep. It's what kept the sight of a flannel shirt or a worn slipper from pulling an officer's thoughts back to the terrible places where their loved ones could not follow. There was a time when Sheriff Randall used it too, but those days were gone. All three men were sporting bright blue surgical gloves as Deputy Campbell helped to lift the body into the bag and then over to the van. Bob took more photographs with his cell phone and then picked up an empty glass bottle that had been lying next to the body. Finally, the minivan's hatch slowly dropped down. The job was done. Carl pointed in the direction of the sheriff and then made a circle in the air with his finger. It was time to clear the road. Thankfully, nobody had driven by during the time they were with the body, and that made things easier. They wanted to be gone before the rumor mill turned on. The dogs were panting heavily in the back seat while the sheriff watched Deputy Grassley approach his open window. I'm here to take these ladies in for questioning. Bob's attempt at humor tasted like sawdust to Nathan, the effort lost on a sheriff who was weighted down by foreboding and the metallic flavor of dread. I'm going to head back up to the homestead. Is she straight off the road or is there a turn off? Nathan asked. Straight off the road, as I recall. About five miles north from your cameras. Maybe a smidge more, but not much. You should see it on the right. You sure you're okay, boss? Yep, Nathan responded, and unlocked the back door so that Bomb could get the dogs. Take good care of these girls. Fresh water. Something to eat. They've had a rough go of it. Bob leaned down to make eye contact with Nathan. Sheriff, anything on those trail cameras I might need to know about? Nathan thought for a second before responding. Could be. Bob understood the hint and straightened his body. Okay, Sheriff, you be careful out there, he said, and tapped the door with his hand. As soon as he had the dogs clear of the cruiser, Sheriff Randall was on the move again. Toward what neither man could have imagined. Her. Written and performed by Bridget Emmons. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Main Stories, and visit my website at BridgetEmmons.com Thanks for listening.